your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Leafs Podcast, one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. Give me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and review. That would be much, much appreciated. And make sure to make Locked On Leafs part of your daily listening, listening routine and find Locked On Leafs wherever you get your podcasts. Oh boy, a couple of things that we got to get to today. The Maple Leafs collapsing in Denver. It was 4-1. It was 4-1. Probably the worst phrase known to Leaf fans, at least modern day Leaf fans. Uh, it was 4-1, and it was. It was 4-1 Toronto, and and then next thing you know, uh, you know, Colorado comes fighting back brings this thing to OT, and then, uh, you know, it's it's ended pretty quickly into overtime. So Maple Leafs able to scoot away with one point in Colorado, and uh, so we'll, we'll kind of go over that game a little bit, talk about the collapse, and, and how I actually don't feel as bad as, you know, I typically feel after a Leafs collapse. Like, this one felt a little different, didn't feel like a classic, you know, Leafs, uh, the sky is falling type of collapse and I'll explain my reasoning for that there's also an interesting narrative about how the Leafs are prone to collapsing and it's like oh it's just the leafiest Leafs thing of all time well Jeff Bayette I'm gonna give him a shout out he came out and he looked into the stats just to see if that's true exactly if, if the Leafs blow more 4-1 leads than any other team in the NHL he broke it down so I'm gonna explain those stats to you um, and, uh, and, you know, give him a shout out for that, for putting in the hard work, obviously, but then also go through the three stars of the game as I usually do. And then talk a little bit about the Eastern conference playoff race. You know, we're now into the new year. It's January, 2022. Let's just take a look and see where the playoff picture is at, because I honestly believe the eight teams that are currently sitting in a playoff spot are probably the eight teams come May, April, May. These are the teams that I think we're going to be seeing playing in the playoffs. Like, I think it's already pretty much said and done. There's some reseeding that I could definitely see occur within these eight teams. But for the most part, I believe we're looking at the Eastern Conference playoffs already as we sit here early in January. So I'll explain uh, explain that. But let's get to the game from Saturday night uh so like i said earlier 5-4 loss in overtime to the colorado avalanche the maple Leafs first to, uh blown lead when uh when leading after two it's the first time that they've blown a two period lead of the season they were 17 17 0 and 1 or 17 and 0 rather coming into this game saturday night with a two goal lead or with a a, 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 a third period lead when leading after two so yeah, that's no longer perfect <laughs> and intact. They now have a overtime loss, so they're now 17-0-1 when leading after two. Look, Colorado's a good team. You know, like they they average they've averaging five goals per game in their last eleven. Their last eleven games are averaging five goals. So 
Look, they were bound to find the score sheet, find the back of the net, and they're scoring five goals on average. So I'm not shocked that they found a way to muster up five goals here in in extra time against the Maple Leafs. You know, look, the, the Leafs start out the game hot. You know, they, all the Leafs fans and Leafs Twitter, myself included, you know, kind of really excited about this one based on how it started. You know, the first Kerfoot scores to open up the scoring. Nice little feed from from uh, from Michael Bunting. And then you get two quick ones from Austin Matthews. Scored twice within 33 seconds. And next thing you know, the Maple Leafs are leading 3 to nothing in this one. And it looked good. Freddie Franchez had to come in relief for Philip Grubauer. Uh, Fred Fransuz. I know it's it's Fransuz or Fransos, however it's pronounced. Freddie Franchez is kind of an overdrive thing if you guys listen to that show. Um, but anyways, he comes in relief and then locks it down. He stopped 18 of 19 shots from uh, the point of relief and really allowed this team, the, the Avs, to hang in there, hang around through the second period. And then in the third period, they finally pounced and they were able to, uh, to, to come out, tie the game, get a couple of good bounces, but really they took advantage. They took it to the Maple Leafs in the third period. Um, they were just the better team, flat out. And you look at the high danger chances, it was 6 to nothing in the third period, or 6-1 rather, in uh, in the third period for high danger chance at 5-on-5, five five, but they spent a lot of time on the PK as well. So realistically, the fact that y- you just look at what happened in the third period, the fact that the Maple Leafs were able to come with with a point, I guess, uh, is 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 a good thing, I suppose. But I look at the loss as a whole, and and, and I I don't want to say it's a good thing because it's certainly not. But I hope that they can build off of it. I hope that this is just like a little bit of adversity um, that they can work from. You know, coming uh, coming into I guess a really good team in Colorado, you give up a lead and then you lose the game. Hopefully, you know it, it just they can learn from it and 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 this little bit of adversity is something that they can certainly uh work off of going forward they got a tough stretch of hockey coming up they got Vegas on Tuesday and then yeah a little bit of a lighter game on Wednesday against the Phoenix Coyotes and that or the Arizona Coyotes rather but then they got a couple of tough games as well they got the Rangers and then uh I can't remember the other team but a, a playoff team nonetheless I think maybe Pittsburgh actually um so they got a couple of tough tough games coming up so hopefully they can learn from this as i said and uh and and not blow leads anymore (laughs) lock it down in the third period which realistically is something that they've been able to do a lot this year so i'm hoping that this loss was just more of a, a an anomaly and just colorado being such a good team um and and just outplaying them for you know that 20 25 minutes final 25 minutes of the game and just kind of you know sometimes you're you're gonna lose right sometimes you're you're just not gonna have the full 60 minute effort it's gonna come back to bite you in the butt and that's kind of what we saw happen out of this game now when i hear the the uh how this is the leafiest thing to happen leaf's gonna leaf right up 4-1 they lose again and there's a narrative about how this is something that happens to Toronto often. They're just known for complete meltdowns and blowing 4-1 leads. 
specifically 4-1 leads. And, you know, the, the most famous 4-1 lead from 2013 Game 7 against the Boston Bruins. We all know about that one. That is just absolutely brutal. Not even in the same stratosphere of what we witnessed on Saturday. But since then, this was just the fifth time since 2013 that the Leafs have actually blown a 4-1 lead. They did it last year, if you recall. The Senators, uh, they actually led 5-1, but once led 4-1. And they blew that lead, and they came back and lost that game. That was brutal. They did it against the Montreal Canadiens in October of 2019. They did it against the Jets in October of 2016. And then the Penguins um, in November of 2013. So this isn't something that happens often. And Jeff Fayette went and did uh, did. He was curious to see if this is an anomaly, if if the Leafs really are a team that blows more leads than often. And this is the first time in 682 games, um, wait, uh, since Game 7, Toronto has blown 5-4-1 leads in 682 games, right, so since that Game 7 loss, they've blown Five four one leads in 682 games, a rate of one in every 136 games. As of Saturday night, six four one leads had been blown in the NHL, a rate of one in every 177 games. So what he's saying is it's a slight anomaly, but it's not a crazy outlier. Like the Leafs don't do this much more than any other team. Like, this this just happens. And the Leafs are the uh, sixth team to do it this season, to blow a 4-1 lead. We just saw it happen last week, Columbus. They're up 4 nothing on uh, on Carolina. They end up losing that game. I think it was like 7-4. It was crazy. Uh, but we've seen this happen time and time again. Uh, like I said, it's the sixth time this year that it's happened. And um, so it's not... It's a bit of a false narrative that they're prone to blowing the 4-1 lead. So I did kind of want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, All right, let's get to the three stars of the game. I'll do that after a word from our show sponsor. It's New Year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If you're about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar into your plan. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good. You'll want to eat it, unlike those other protein bars, which could be chalky or waxy or taste like chemical spill. You'll want to eat healthy, but you know it's, it sometimes just gets so boring. By like week three, you might be thinking, nah, it's just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, guess what? Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most bars containing 130 calories, just 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and only 17, or rather 17 grams of protein. That's a lot of protein, I can tell you that. When you compare it to any other candy bar, it usually only has about a, a 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and a dozen net carbs. Here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, at the office, in the car, wherever. Throw out all those sugary and calorie-filled treats and replace them with Built Bars. So when you're craving the snack or treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout itself. There's so many different flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, mint brownie, so, so many more. In fact, 
Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors, so check Built.com often to see what's new. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, welcome back to Locked on Leafs, your daily Maple Leafs podcast. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano uh, from TSN 1050, also the host of Leafs Lunch. Um, taking a look at the three stars from Saturday night's 5-4 overtime loss to the Colorado Avalanche. A bit of a toughie, tough pill to swallow given that they were up. 4-1, up 3-0. Uh, at one point, things were looking good. And then Colorado kind of woke up. This <laughs> is basically what happened. Uh, but I'm going to take a look at the, the Leafs' three stars from that game. We'll start with the third star. i, I got to give it to Austin Matthews. He could be a little higher on this list, but I'm going to give him the third star. He got two goals, eight shots on net, 65% in the face-off draws, which is what Toronto as a whole, 65%. So they're really good in the face-off dots as a team. Had three takeaways. He was a, a monster on the puck. Like those first 25 minutes of that game, probably the first half of that game, he looked like a man amongst boys um, out there. He was just so strong on the puck and did a really good job. I, I, it's funny. I, the first time that I really... I've heard this term be thrown around on television. Like, I've heard it before, but it seems to be picking up more steam lately, talking about the triangle and, you know, forwards attacking the defensive triangle, meaning, you know, the when a forward has the stick out, or the defenseman sorry, has the stick out, and the forward puts the puck through the stick, and the stick with the hand and the ice makes kind of like a triangle um, in a way. So it's a way for forwards to get around defensemen, and he was doing a good job of attacking the triangle early in that game. Um, and I thought that Austin Matthews was just all over the place in the first half. Fell asleep a little bit um, towards the second half. Penalties kind of got in the way uh, where he doesn't play too, too much. I think he ended up having like only 20, like 19 and change of ice time uh, in the game where it's it's typically a couple of minutes less than you would like to have your star player. But I mean, when you're killing off, you take four penalties, you know, you got to kill off a bunch of, a bunch of time. He's not a guy you typically have out there. So, uh, you know, I, I, I like Dawson's game. Uh, getting those two goals, his first goals of 2022. You know, he's now back to being just four back of Leon Dreisaitl, and these goals always come in bunches. So, you know, I'd be consider next time, next game, tomorrow night in Vegas, perhaps uh, if you're taking a look over at Bet Online AG, you can see Austin Matthews. You see what his goal, uh, his goal total will be for him to score a goal, a prop bet. Maybe you put a little sprinkle on Austin Matthews. All right, take a look at my second star of the night. Got to give it to my guy, Jack Soupy Campbell. Soup! Jeez, is this guy ever just incredible? Absolutely incredible. And I felt so bad. Post-game, Jack Campbell comes out and says, look, if I'm even, uh, if I play up to my standards, you know, we can walk away with the two points. It's my fault that we didn't get the full two points. The boys put up four goals for me, and I couldn't hang in there and, and make sure I kept the puck out of the net. So he took that loss on the chin. He didn't have to. He really did not have to. The Leafs took their took the foot off the gas in the third period. It's kind of what happened. Second half of the second period as well, I would say, but mainly the third. Jack Campbell saw 49 shots in that game. 
49 shots, top 44 of them, including an absolute highlight real save on Devon Tays diving across to make that stop. Like that's uh, that's something that he will remember for the rest of his life. And it's so unfortunate though that it comes in a loss. So it's something that he he's, he's not gonna he's not gonna admire as much coming in a losing effort because he's always gonna think be like yeah okay well if I can make that save why couldn't I make the other one. You know what I mean? And, like, you look at the game-tying goal, it, you know, he wasn't looking, technically. It was a really nice play by Rantanen, puck in behind the net, and he kind of looks like he may be going one way. Jack Campbell goes to his left and tries to peek around the post, and then, oh, actually, you got Rantanen, who notices that, no-look pass out in front to Comfer, and, you know, Jack Campbell's not even looking. He's on the other side, trying to protect the other side of the post, and Comfer basically has a wide-open net. Just kind of, you know, it's 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 it was an unfortunate ending to the game for for Jack Campbell too. Um, but again, I, you take a look at at what he was able to do on the PK. They say the goaltender is your best penalty killer. They had four penalties that the Maple Leafs had to kill. They went a perfect four for four, which is awesome. And the only reason why they did that is because Jack Campbell. They had fourteen shots against on the man on uh, on the penalty kill. He had to make 14 saves, 14 out of 14 saves on the PK. Trust me, Jack, you're the only reason why Toronto snuck out of that game with a point. It could have been, it could have been worse. It really could have been worse. They could have scored five, six goals in that third period. Toronto probably doesn't even come away with a point. I, I really do. I really believe that. So don't take that one hard, Jack. You, you had yourself a heck of a game. Um, it, it's going to happen where you just have nights where the opposition's just a little bit better, a little bit better. And that's kind of what Colorado was, um, especially in that back half of the game. But my first star I'm giving to Alex Kerfoot. I loved Kerfoot's game right from puck drop. I thought that he was just, was just spectacular. Um, you know, you talk about a guy who <laughs> plays a lot more. I mean, we talked about how Austin Matthews didn't play a lot of minutes, played less than his usual. Alex Kerfoot played significantly more than he, he his usual numbers. Played 21 minutes, 17 seconds of ice time in this one, moving up to the top line with Mitch Marner out of the game. Um, keep in mind, I mean, Mitch Marner was out of this game, so was Pierre Engvall, so was Andre Kasha. That all factors into this game, especially in the third period when even the fourth goal, like, they, they purposely were able to get, you know, the, their top line matched up against the fourth line, and they tried to do that a couple of times. And it really does help when you have a home ice advantage. You get last change, you can do stuff like that. But anyways, besides the point, Alex Kerfoot, he was awesome. Two, uh, a goal and two helpers. Um, had a few takeaways, including a nice strip off of McKinnon. But I, you know, I talked about how Osmaz didn't play a lot. Kerfoot played a lot, but that's mainly because he had to kill off all those penalties, right? They took four penalties. They went four for four on the PK. He played five minutes and 37 seconds of shorthanded time, killing it off. Had a nice block as well um, in in uh, in this game. And quietly, Alex Kerfoot putting together a season. This guy already has more points this year than he did all of last season in which he played a full 56 game season. So Alex Kerfoot's having a real good year. He's got eight points in his last three games. He's really become just a great little Swiss army knife 
for uh, for for Sheldon Keefe. So wanted to give Kerfee some love. He deserved it. Had himself a heck of a game. Uh, so he's my first star. And like his his play away from the puck too has been really really good as of late. Um, so it's not just you know the fact that he's got eight points his last three games. He's really playing a, a full 200-foot game. This is the Kerfoot that they saw and they envisioned when they traded away Nazem Kadri. I know they had Tyson Berry back, which was the big piece, but they also thought that Kerfoot could take on the Kadri defensive role, and it seems to be what he's been able to do as of late. Sorry about that. Still kind of dealing with a little bit of a, a cough through the, the COVID. I don't know if you know some of you guys who have it, but... For some reason, sometimes when I get talking long-winded, um, a cough bubbles up in me. It just, you know, kind of a, a, a post-COVID effect. I don't know. It's really bothering me, though. So hopefully that doesn't last too much longer. A um, couple other notables, I guess, from the game before I move on to this uh, playoff discussion. Um, Nick Ritchie. A uh, bit of a mixed bag for him. So obviously with... With Mitch Marner coming down with COVID, Engvall as well, both them hitting the list, and then Andre Kasha still being day-to-day, um, but he was out of the game. It forced them to have to go out and get Nick Ritchie and, and, and bring him back off of the taxi squad after cle- clearing waivers. Mixed bag. Mixed bag for Rich. Um, he did score, which was great. Scored in the power play too, which is the first time he was able to do that as a Maple Leaf. Uh, he's quite physical. Six hits on the night. Uh, team high, six hits. But took a really dumb penalty in the third period. Like, one that's just so unnecessary. Um, and it's just, it's kind of a microcosm of Nick Ritchie's year. Like, just the moment he starts to get a little bit of momentum, he takes a dumb penalty, and it just sets him, one, like, two steps forward, three steps back. That's been his entire Leafs tenure summed up, and, and that game does a pretty good job. At least he did score. Typically, he's not even scoring. Typically, maybe it's a fight or a big hit or something, and then he takes a dumb penalty. At least he did score a goal this time around. Um, but Nick Ritchie and, and, and his future with the team is going to be interesting going forward. Obviously, right now, they can get away with storing him and stashing him on the taxi squad on off days so they can try and accrue a little bit of cap space between now and the deadline so that they can try and work up enough to to make some sort of deal um but you know the the taxi squad goes away after the all-star break unless something changes which i think is also entirely possible given the fact that covid's not gone this is still still very much an issue as we get to kind of leak into the middle of the month here in january not sure 20 days from now covid's going away just saying so, you know, it may be advantageous for the league to keep the taxi squads around after the All-Star break, but that's something that uh, is going to have to be worked out between uh, the PA and the league. But until then, you know, Nick Ritchie, they can try and, and use that since he did clear. He's able to kind of go back onto the taxi squad a couple of times. Um, if they if they need him to, he can kind of come up and down off the squad for, uh, for the next little bit. So that's that's what I assume they'll end up doing with Nick Ritchie. And then when the team's fully healthy, probably again, find himself up in the press box. Unfortunately, you know, cool, you scored a, you scored a goal. You, you went out and laid some hits, but you took a dumb, 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 third period penalty, which really cost this team. So, um, you know, he's done nothing to prove that he could stay in the lineup, that he deserves to be in the lineup over the other 12 forwards that I believe are above him in the pecking order. So 
you know, he's making two and a half million bucks this year next, but unfortunately he hasn't earned the, the playing time. And, you know, him getting sent down to the to the minors or getting sent through waivers and onto the practice squad proves that Sheldon Keith clearly thinks the same way when it comes to Nick Ritchie. So uh, we'll see what, what his future uh, holds here as a Maple Leaf. Uh, was there anything else that I wanted to get to in the game? I think I kind of kind of got to it um outside of the fact that colorado's really freaking good <laughs> uh like they're so good it's it's just gross ranting in mckinnon's got like a stupid amount of points in his last i don't know, like 13 games or something like that like it's just it's it's honestly so unfair that line ranting in mckinnon and landis gog it's so gross what they've been able to do um mckinnon 12 shots 12 shots Jeez, God. Yeah, I mean, they were, my, they were my Stanley Cup team at the beginning of the year. It took them a little bit to get going. They had some COVID issues, some injury issues. But it looks like they're rolling. Looks like they're rolling. If if they can get you know better goaltending, the goaltending that they were expected to get. I said Grubauer, by the way. It was not Grubauer. Grubauer is no longer with this team. So I apologize if I said that earlier. Um, it's Kemper, Darcy Kemper is now the goaltender for the, uh, Colorado Avalanche. If they can get better goaltending out of Kemper, this team's got a really good chance to make a deep, deep playoff run. Uh, all right, we'll take one more quick break. And when we get back, we'll take a look at the Eastern Conference playoff race as it stands right now. And, uh, I'll, I'll discuss if I think... There's any other teams that could fight their way into the conversation, or if this is pretty much what we're looking at, and it's just going to be a little bit of seeding between now and the end of the regular season. But I'll give you my answer when we return here on the Locked On Lease podcast. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue to march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet Online is the fastest, easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. Welcome back to the Locked On Lease podcast. Mike DiStefano, the host of the show. Um, so, some breaking news as I am recording this here on Monday afternoon. Uh, so, it looks like the Coyotes are announcing that head coach Andre Tierney, along with goaltending coach Corey Schwab, former Maple Leaf, um, have now entered COVID-19 protocol. So, uh, the Yotes, who the Leafs are expected to play on Wednesday expected to uh now getting into a little bit of a covid situation over there so their head coach won't be available for that game it looks like they'll have an assistant be running the bench and one of their head scribes craig morgan says uh if there is a game so we'll see what happens over the next couple of days hopefully there's not uh too too many covid positive tests out there for the yotes but typically we know once there's a couple there's usually a few more to follow uh but hopefully um it doesn't uh it doesn't end up hurting the chances of this leafs and yotes game going down on wednesday all right let's get to this uh let's get to this playoff race um going on in the eastern 
conference. So I'm going to pull up the standings right now. So I'll let you know uh, what exactly the standings are in the East. So sort of by the by wild cards, the way that the playoffs would actually go down. So in the Atlantic Division, the Maple Leafs Division, currently uh, Florida leading in both. Well, they're leading with by points percentage. I'm going to sort by points percentage here. So Florida leading by points percentage at a 729 win percentage. Toronto in second, Tampa in third. But Tampa has, has four more games played than Toronto. And they do have four more points. So Tampa's got more points, but Toronto a better win percentage based on the four games in hand that they have. So the, the Atlantic, when it comes to the top three spots, completely up for grabs. All Florida, Tampa, and Toronto, um, either one of those games, teams could finish in first place and I wouldn't be shocked. Boston as of now is that fourth team uh, who's kind of on the outside looking in, sitting in a wild card spot. They're at 38 points through 31 games, a 613 save per, uh, win percentage. So, you know, Boston 38 points in 31 games. I just like I don't know if I see Boston Climbing up into that top three. I think they're pretty much set, destined to stick around in the wild card race. You know, like that. that's the way I look at it. So right now, so I guess we'll, we'll go through it all. Okay, so Florida, Toronto, Tampa, one, two, three in the Atlantic. And then uh, Carolina, the Rangers, and Washington, one, two, three in the Metro. And then Pittsburgh and Boston, both have wild card uh, spots as we speak. So that's what the playoff situation looks like today on January 10th. And honestly, I think these are the eight teams ultimately that are going to make the playoffs. You know, like I think Carolina is, is, is if not the one of the top three teams in the NHL. They do have Fred Anderson and Nett, who we've, you know, seen collapse in the playoffs. So, that remains to be seen. I think the Rangers are a really good squad. They've got the solid goaltender and Igor Shosturkin. Even Georgiev's playing some really strong hockey. Panarin's coming back to the team. You know, they've got some guys who are really playing some quality, quality hockey. Um, guys who had a bit of a slower starts to the year start to pick it up, like Zabenejad and Ryan Strom. And I think even Lafreniere is starting to kind of find his groove a little bit. So I think the Rangers are a team to watch. Washington, obviously, Ovechkin, you know, like that's, you know, I think this team is just always going to be in the race as long as they have that core there with Ovi and Backstrom and Kuznetsov and John Carlson, you know, so I think that that's, that team's golden. And then Pittsburgh's just, man, they're so good right now. They won 10 in a row up until finally losing the other night. Uh, who they lose to? I think they lost to... I want to say San Jose. No, they lost. I can't remember who they lost to, but they lost the other night, last Saturday. This is going to bug me, so I do need to look at it before uh, I move on because I, I just it's really going to bother me if I don't figure out exactly the team that they lost to. And it, of course, it's taken me half a second to, to pull it up. This is what people do. Dallas. They lost to Dallas. So losing to Dallas 3-2, who, speaking of Dallas, I don't know if you guys have seen this video of uh, of of Rick Bonus losing his marbles on the bench, but if you haven't, go check it out because it's absolutely hilarious. Um, but Pittsburgh's been unbelievable 
um, recently, and this is a team that I could totally see starting to rocket up into this Metro Division race right now. I mean, based on points percentage, they're not that far off. They've got a 662 uh, points percentage, Washington just 681, and the Rangers a 694. You know, like Pittsburgh's got a couple games in hand. They win both those games they have in hand. They take over Washington for that uh, that third spot in the division. And then Washington falls into a wild card. So I think seeding is still up for play. But at the end of the day, when I look at it, I think these are the best eight teams. Because I don't think Detroit's a playoff team. As, as good a season as they're having, you know, like they're having some guys really come on strong here. Uh, Sider has been a, a revelation as a rookie, as has Lucas Raymond. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi's having himself a heck of a season. Dylan Larkin, you know, like they're, they're, they're having a good year. They're a 500 team right now, but I just don't anticipate them being a team that's going to compete for the playoffs. They only won three of their last 10 games too. So they're already starting to, to fade away a little bit. Columbus. Don't see them either being a team that's going to win a whole lot of games uh, down the stretch. You know, they've they've been able to kind of stick around mainly thanks to a, a real solid home record, 11-5-1 at home. I, I just don't think this, that this team has, uh, has the skill um, to compete here for a playoff spot this year. They've just lost so much. It's a bit of a rebuilding year for them. You know, they trade away uh, Seth Jones. In the last couple seasons, they've lost Bobrovsky. They've lost Panarin. They lost Matt Duchesne after trading for him. Like, they've lost a lot of pieces. And they've got some good young talent that's really starting to uh, build something there. But they're not quite there yet. So I think they're on the outside looking in. I think they'll finish that way. Philly, I just know, absolutely have zero faith in the Philadelphia Flyers. I really don't. They got a sub 500 home record. They're six seven three at home this season. Philly, they I they got to tear it down. This this is a team that needs to rebuild, needs to retool. Uh, I don't see the playoffs in their horizon this season. You know the the Islanders are just too far back now. I think at a four sixty four save percentage, they haven't played a lot of games. They've only played twenty eight games, which I think is the least out of all the teams in the NHL. Um, they've had a lot of games that have been postponed and, and still games that are being postponed as they were set to go on a Western Canadian road trip that was canceled, um, due to the attendance issues in Canada. So, you know, I, the Islanders, I, unfortunately, this is the biggest shock, I think, as a team who's just been garbage to start the year. I don't, I, I don't know if they can come back. I mean, they haven't even played 30 games yet, so there's still a long way to go for this Islanders team. But at the end of the day, uh, I, I just don't see them catching Pittsburgh. Like, I just don't. They have 26 points so far this season. 26 points. Even if they won all six games that Pittsburgh has in hand, that would be 38 points, uh, and they would still be... You know, seven shy. And that's assuming they go 6-0 and oh in the six games that they have in hand. And they'd still be seven shy of a wild card uh, a wild card spot. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sold uh, that the Islanders are going to have... There's just not enough time for them to turn it around. They just went in the gutter. I think Barzell's got like six goals on the year. Just a bad season for them. Uh, probably best to kind of tank it. And get a good draft pick. Supposed to be a good draft. So, and then Buffalo, Ottawa, Montreal—they're not even in the conversation. I don't think Jersey 
Jersey really is either as they sit with a 14-17-5 record um, with a couple of key injuries. Dougie Hamilton now out for a little bit as well. So just some bad bad luck for them on the injury front. Uh, you know, another thing that's I think going to lead to them not being able to muster up a lot of wins here uh, in, in, the, in the upcoming future to get themselves back into the playoff race. So, you know, I'm, I'm making the claim now. January 10th, as of today, I believe the eight teams that will make the playoffs are the eight teams that are currently there. And the order's going to shake up in terms of who wins the division and seeding, but those eight teams, I think, are going to make the playoffs, and there's not much of a race even down the stretch. So, um, one last little bit of information. Seems like the all-star teams are going to be announced uh, this Thursday. So we'll get to see which Maple Leafs um, are expected to get the nod. Maybe tomorrow I'll, I'll kind of give my pitch as to who I think should and will make the all-star team and why they should make the all-star team. So I think that'll be on tomorrow's episode. But for today, uh, that's going to do it for me here on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter, at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Locked On Leafs. I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. we got a Maple Leafs-Vegas Golden Knights game, so we'll be teeing that up. Talk about some of the all-stars that could be making the team. And we'll do all that tomorrow. Until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.